morning. Morning. Open your Bibles, if you would, to Revelation 14. If I didn't have the privilege to meet you coming through the, the front door this morning, my name is Kendall Age, serve as the lead pastor here. Grateful that you can be with us this morning. Uh, we're in a study going through the book of Revelation, and so you're going to get to jump in with us as we continue that today. Well, I wonder if you have ever had in your life a period of time where you've had to deal with a profound lack of sleep. Chances are, if you're a parent, you've done that. It tends to start that way during those initial weeks with needs at all hours of the day. Maybe, maybe you've had this because of some crazy work schedule that you've had or pulled an all-nighter for a class. Maybe it's a more serious, a medical condition that you've wrestled with, or simply an anxious, worried heart doesn't let you sleep. We all need sleep. We all need rest. Interesting to remember, God doesn't. God doesn't need rest. He's the only one, right? He's the source of life and strength in and of himself. He never needs to slumber. He never needs to sleep. He never needs a break. He is self-sustaining with boundless and limitless energy. We, not so much. The, the older we get, the more we realize this, too. We need rest. Now listen, there's no excuse for sleeping through the sermon, okay? Hey, hey! All right. This morning we're going to consider that longing for rest that the Lord has given us and the promise of rest that the Lord has made for us. It is a very, very sweet promise. It comes to us in the 14th chapter of the book of Revelation, a chapter which is all about looking forward to eternity. And we're going to pick up right after three angels give their proclamation. We've looked at those over the past couple of weeks. Three angels came and delivered three proclamations to a rebellious world. They were all proclamations of the coming judgment of God and a call to repent and to turn to God. Three messages. And now, this morning, one more voice from heaven. This one is not to the rebellious world. This one is to the laboring church, the working church. It is the word of God to, to God's people who are faithfully following Jesus and doing good works and enduring for the sake of the, the gospel. And this voice, unlike the other ones, is not a voice of warning. It's a voice of blessing. It's a benediction, a voice of blessing for God's people. So we're going to be focusing this morning on verse 13. But I want to just back up and read verse 12 so we get the context. And by the way, the context of these two verses is that we just heard these three pronouncements from the angels as they were giving words of warning to the world. So follow along as we read these two verses, beginning in Revelation 14, verse 12. Here is a call for the endurance of the saints, those who keep the commandments of God and their faith in Jesus. And I heard a voice from heaven saying, Write this, 
Blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Blessed indeed, says the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors, for their deeds follow them. Lord, as you speak in your word, we know this is your word. We pray that you would speak right now to each of us, that we would hear, we would apply, that we would be transformed by your powerful word. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So another voice speaks from heaven. This one is directed to John. It's directed to John, but to John for the church, because it commands John to write something down. Have you ever been talking with someone, and they pause in the middle? They say, you might want to write this down. There's a couple things you can deduce from that. One is, they think what they're about to say is important. And the second is, they think you might not remember it. (laughs) And so you better write this down. (laughs) And so that's what we get here. It is a voice from heaven. It's not a suggestion. It's a command to John, write this. My people need this. John, this is important. I don't want them to miss this. John, and I don't entirely trust your memory, John, to write this down. Find a pen. Write this. Blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Now, whatever we expected this voice to say, this was not it. Perhaps we would think if it starts with the word, blessed are, we might start filling in some words we could put behind there. Blessed are the wise, or blessed are the diligent, or from other places in Scripture, we might say, blessed are the peacemakers, blessed are the merciful, blessed are the meek. No, blessed are the dead. Of all the people who we might be inclined to think are blessed, this was not the group that we were thinking of. So let's ask, what, is it, what does it mean to be blessed? What, what, is, what is intended by this word? Blessed are those who are dead. To be blessed is to have that which tends towards happiness. Okay? To be blessed, then, by God, is to be given such gifts of abundance from God that happiness is the inevitable result. Now, we could shortcut this and just put the word happy in there instead and say, happy are the dead. We could could do that because to be blessed is to be happy. But we miss a little something because it's not just happy. It's so richly gifted by God that happiness just springs up from those gifts that God has given. That sounds great. This this happy company, this blessed group. I want in that group. But then, it is the dead who make up this happy company. Notice, friend, that it is not all the dead who make up this happy company because it is the dead who die in the Lord. Not all who are dead are blessed. Not all who die are are given wonderful gifts by God. Not all who 
die are inevitably happy. Not all who die go to a better place. This is a promise not to all, but to all who die in the Lord. That is to say, all who die trusting in Christ, relying upon Him for their salvation. For those who repent of their sins and the way that they tend to, to walk away from God and, and worship other things than God. For those that repent of going their own way and cast all their hope on Jesus. For them who are in the Lord, they're blessed. We could say in our shorthand, Christian, those who are saved, those who are in Christ. Blessed are Christians who die. Friend, let me remind you of something that you know very well. But if you're like me, you tend to go out of your way to avoid remembering. It is this sobering reality. You are going to die. You are going to die. We know that. But even hearing that can feel uncomfortable. And yet, it is reality. We live so many days acting like it's not true. Acting like life is endless. But that day will come. As certainly as the sun will set this evening, so certainly will your life set one day. It is that certain. Of this there is no doubt. And you will join the company of the dead. The question is not if you will die. The question is when you die, will you be blessed? Will you be in this happy company of the dead? So this morning I need to ask you, are you in the Lord. Because it says, blessed are those who die in the Lord. Are you in the Lord? Have you repented of your sins? Have you turned to Jesus Christ and asked Him to forgive you of your wickedness? Have you asked Him for mercy? I spoke to someone this week who just said, "I." paraphrasing along the lines of, I can't even can't even tell that God exists. That's you, friend. Pray that he let you know. It is the work of Satan, the work of the enemy, to keep you blind to God's existence. And it is the work of God to open your eyes. Ask him to open your eyes. Because once you see him, you will repent of your sin joyfully. And you will look to him joyfully. In this word of blessing is a inherent call to examine. Say, are you in Christ? That you may be blessed on that day. So don't wait another day. Turn to him today that you'll be blessed on that day. But this passage is mostly intended to give hope to Christians. Mostly, that's what this is for. It's, it's, it's that we would be encouraged. This passage about the dead is for the living. 
Praise God. <laughs> That's good. If you're hearing this, you're still, it's still good. You're still good. All right? This is for us. I think this can be, though, one of these kinds of verses that we hear, we might be able to quote. We can talk about with other Christians. But somehow, it doesn't sink into our hearts. There's a kind of Teflon around our hearts, a kind of unbelief that stops us from building our lives towards this end. I mean, you could just ask yourself, do you, how do you feel when you hear this? Your feelings are one of those indicators for you. Blessed are the dead. Yeah. So, so, so Lord, help us this morning to believe your word. You could have hope through your word. So let's look closely at this, that the Lord can transform us by his word. Let's look closely. How is it that the dead are blessed? What does God, what does he mean here? Blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Blessed indeed, says the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors for their deeds follow them. So there are two things mentioned in here that are part of the blessing that God is talking about in this verse. Blessed indeed, says the Spirit, number one, that they may rest from their labors. And number two, for their deeds follow them. So the first one talks about rest, stopping the labor of following after Jesus. We get to rest. The second one then says, but all the good works you've done, they follow you. They're over, but they're not gone. They follow you into the next life, and you are rewarded by your Savior for how you followed him in the next life. So we could think of these two things that we are blessed through is, is rest and reward. Rest and reward. So. This morning, as I was getting ready for this, I realized I could not adequately talk about both of these. So I stopped trying. This morning, we will talk about the blessing of rest. And next week, we'll talk about the blessing of reward. And this is quite the, the happy verse, talking about eternal blessing from the Lord. I'm happy to camp here two weeks. So this morning, let's consider the blessing of rest. Notice first that it is a rest from something. That they may rest from their labors. Here's the blessing. Here's the gift to the saints. That when we arrive on heaven's shore, those who are tired from many labors, weary from sleepless nights, may finally and fully rest in Christ. Burdens are removed. Battles are over. Concerns are abolished. Glory. But this implies something. It implies that those who arrived to that shore were up to that moment not resting. It implies that they were working and laboring and toiling. Let me let me tell you, let me 
let me tell you how you want to feel when you get there. When you arrive to heaven's shore, when you find yourself in that place, how do you want to find yourself? Let me tell you how you want to find yourself. Tired. Tired. Not tired because you're old. Okay, yep, it happens. Not tired because you're sleep deprived. Not tired because you're weary. But, but tired because you were engaged in the labor to which saints are called on this planet. And you gave yourself to it until the Lord called you home. You want to get there ready for a nap. <laughs> ready for a rest. Woo! I'm glad I'm here. So before we look too quickly at the rest from our labors, let us ask first if we are engaged now in our labors. Church, are you engaged in the labor from which you're going to get to rest one day? It is, dear friends, the Christian's death which is characterized by rest. Not their life. Not their life. Christian's life is characterized by zealous, joyful labor for Jesus Christ. So consider. Consider with me. Consider the first words which Jesus says to the unbeliever. He says, take up your cross and follow me. Sounds like effort to which he calls us. Consider then when he saves us, how he saves us unto good works. Ephesians chapter 2. We are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which he has prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. He saved us, recreated us, we are his workmanship so that we would be about work. And then he saved us unto a mission. Matthew 28. Go into all the world and make disciples of all people. That is not a call to rest. That is a call to labor and sacrifice and effort. And then we have, of course, the scriptures, which we want to be about applying to our lives. Romans chapter 12. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Mind renewal is not a passive thing. It takes effort in this book. God, transform my thinking to make it more like yours. That my heart would follow, and my thoughts would follow, and my deeds would follow, and my life would follow. Transform me, Lord. It's a life of effort and study, and applying this book. And we haven't even gotten to sin to fight yet. Consider the sin to be put off. Colossians 3, now quoting. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you? Sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. You must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another. We've got work to do. Each of us. I doubt 
most in here would would check every box on that list. But everyone in here checks some of them. Of sins that our Lord has commanded us to put off. Like a soiled garment that sticks to us. And we've got to work to get it off. There is labor in putting sin to death. And then there's labor in putting on righteousness. Becoming more like Jesus. Still in Colossians 3 and quoting again. Put on then, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, patience. And above all these, put on love. Wives, submit to your husbands, as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives. Do not be harsh with them. Children, obey your parents. Something for everyone in that passage. Church, this is our calling. This is our aim. This is our life. The Christian life is one of labor. Laboring for the mission. Laboring to pursue godliness. Laboring to put to death sin. To serve others. To put on righteousness. The Christian should not have idle hands. We should be about what He's called us to be. Now make no mistake, it is a joyful labor. Make no mistake, it is a grace responding to kind of labor. It is a thank you Jesus for what you did for me kind of labor, but make no mistake, it's labor, it's effort, it's work. Church, right now, God calls us to labor, which is why we're looking at verse 13. Verse 12 comes right in front of that. Verse 12. Here is a call for the endurance of the saints. Those who keep the commandments of God and their faith in Jesus Christ. Here's a call for endurance. You see how these two verses work together? Here's a call for endurance. One day you're going to get to rest. Praise God. So do we fix our hope on that? God knows we need it. We fix our hope on it. And knowing that's coming, we're called to endure. We're called to be about the work that he's called us to. So this, friends, this is a call to endurance. Do not slow down. Do not grow weary. Do not get comfortable. Run, church, run the race that he's called you to run. Be zealous, friend. Be zealous, for the Savior who is zealous for you. Get up. Get moving. Get after it. Let's go. Church, right now we're called to action. Right now we're called to activity. Right now we're called to good works. Right now we're called to labor. Right now. Right now. But it will not always be so. Will not always be so. Blessed are the dead who die in the Lord that they may rest from their labors. The day of rest is coming. And that day has a dawn and no sunset. It is the endless day of resting in God. The labor between now and then will only serve to make that rest sweeter when it arrives. This is a Sweet promise to the saints. 
allow me to remind you just how big this promise is. Right, here we are, we're in one verse in Revelation, and it talks about rest. Ken, you're making a big deal about rest. Let me tell you, the Bible makes a big deal about rest. From the first page to the last page, the Bible talks a lot about rest. Do you remember God creating the world on page one? And still on page one, he rested from his labors. Now, let me tell you a secret. God wasn't tired. This was a silent prophecy. A silent promise to his creation. I have rest for you. There is rest in me that I have for you. And then he designed the world where we've got day and night. And there was evening and there was morning. We've got day and night. And God built it in so that every single day there is a time for working and there's a time for resting. And then this week that he set up and he set up by resting on the seventh day, that becomes incorporated into the law. What a happy command. The Sabbath command is. Make sure you rest. Rest like I rest. Built into the Old Testament law. And then God's people, they're, they're moving all around. They're coming out of Egypt. They're, they're in the wilderness. And finally, they get to the land where they can rest. But what they find is it's only a physical rest. And there's still problems within. And so while the people are in the land, the prophets begin to talk. And they're saying, there's a better rest waiting for God's people. And they're warning, God says to his enemies, the wicked will never enter my rest. And then we get into the New Testament. We get to the book of Hebrews, which tells us there still remains a rest for the people of God. And now we get to the book of Revelation and speaking to the saints in verse 13 about rest. But if you were with us last week, we read verse 11. It comes right before this. This was the, the description of the final judgment on God's enemies. Let me remind you what it said in verse 11. The smoke of their torment goes up forever and ever. And they have no rest, day or night. These worshipers of the beast and its image, whoever receives the mark of its name, no rest. No rest. Judgment is the absence of rest. Presence of a lot of other things, but it is the absence of rest. The wicked will never find rest in God. But the saints are told two verses later, blessed indeed, that they may rest. Rest is first a cessation of labor. It's the most obvious thing about it, that they may rest from their labors. It's to be relieved of duty. You know, military types out there. It's not to shirk away while on duty. Just stand your post. And then to be well and properly released. When the commander in chief says, you no longer have the watch. I've got this. 
go rest. There's a, there's a physicality of rest that we can look forward to. There's all kinds of ways that we're restless in our own bodies. The labor of taking the gospel. The, the, the labor of work. The reality of getting older. And the pain that gets carried day after day after night after night. A kind of restlessness in our bodies. We're going to look forward to physical rest. But friends, there's a soul rest that we're looking forward to. An inner rest. That's what, that's what was being deprived in the judgment. No rest. There's a soul rest to be found in God. It is a rest that is relieved to be relieved of care and of concern and of burden. It's to be completely at peace because there's nothing to not be at peace about. There's no more threat. There's no more worry. There's no more problem. It is to be completely content, lacking absolutely nothing. It is to be completely happy, joyful. Listen, to be at rest in God is to be fulfilled by God. To be at rest in God is to be joyful in God. To be at rest in God is to be happy in God. Rest is not just the absence of work. It's also the absence of every need to work. You know, it's not a very good rest if, like, you need a job, uh, but you have to rest. Like, this is a very anxious kind of rest. This is not what we're talking about. This is the kind of rest that knows no want and knows no need. There's no need to get up. There's no need at all for anything. Everything we could need, and in that day, everything we will want, and in that day, everything we, we will desire, we will have in God. That is a happy rest. That's a blessed rest. Does this mean death is a good thing? No. It is not. It is still the wages of sin. It is still the result of the fall. It is still not to be pursued by the Christian in some twisted way of thinking, it is still an enemy. But the work of Christ was so great. The work of Christ in dying and coming back to life. The work of Christ in defeating death was so great that now our greatest enemy, still our enemy, is forced to be our servant. And when it is at its worst against us, it can only ultimately do us good. What? That which is our enemy, which would try its utmost to destroy us, can only ultimately do us good. Blessed, says the Spirit. Blessed indeed. That is remarkable. Now, it is still our enemy. And while we live, we mourn those who die. We mourn and we grieve. But while we live, friends, we need not fear its approach to us. Because it brings 
on the other side, blessing from God. Blessing. Is this too good to be true? I mean, I haven't been there. I don't know about you. Anybody? <laughs> I haven't been there. It can feel too good to be true. None of us have seen beyond that curtain. None of us have known the kind of rest that I'm trying to describe with poor human words. Let me tell you something, saints. This is no wishful thinking. This is no baseless hope. Do you remember where we are in our Bible? Remember what just happened in our Bible? Do you remember that we just got done hearing three angels talk from heaven to the rebellious world. They just spoke and they just gave warning. Here comes the judgment. Repent and turn. Three angels giving three warnings. And now a voice from heaven speaks again. This time to the church. This time with the promise. This time with the blessing. Have you noticed who's speaking? Because it's not an angel. It's no cherubim or seraphim or messenger. This word is not from a prophet or a priest or a king. This word comes to us with no middleman. Comes directly from God Himself. Blessed indeed, says the Spirit. Hear the Spirit speak. Let the angels speak warning to the world. I'm going to speak comfort to the church. Whew. Write this down, John. My people need to hear this, John. They're going to struggle to believe this, John. So tell them who's talking. Church, we can plant our flag here. We can ground our hope here. We can build our lives here. God has spoken. Nothing is more certain. Nothing could be more certain than the word of the ever-faithful one. Which means that right now, those who are dead in Christ are well and truly blessed. They are enjoying a happy rest far surpassing our ability to conceive or to consider or to hope. And so will you. So will you, dear saints. So will you, dear Christians. So will you, church? So let's look to that. Let's look to that. This is a certain hope. Friend, get it certain in your soul. This is a certain hope. We anticipate an endless rest in God Himself. Let's hope in that. And then let's strengthen these weary hands and not grow weary in well-doing and run the race that's set before us and fight the good fight and finish the course. Let us labor now in light of the rest we know we're getting. We know He's promised. We know it will be far, far beyond all that we would ever deserve. We labor now because we hope for them. 
and knowing the one who promised it is enough. He will bring it to pass. Worship team, come on up. Lord, I just pray right now for those who are weary today. Lord, we're grateful that you give us rest in this life in certain ways. You give us your spirit to be with us. Lord, you give us rest in the evenings. You give us rest on our Sabbath day. But Lord, there's weariness in this world. And so we as a church right now pray for our weary sisters and our weary brothers. Lord, would you strengthen them? Lord, the day's coming. We're going to be weary too. <laughs> but Lord, we pray for each other that you would give us a living hope in your living word, a, a firm confidence in your faithfulness to bring this to pass, that we would run together so you call us to rest. In Jesus' name, amen.